0: What I'm speaking about today, though, is from my book, Messianic Foundations, which deals with uh, how God has shown himself faithful to Israel and faithful through the non-Jewish believer in Jesus. How many people here are non-Jewish believers in Jesus? Raise your hand. That many. <laughs> I knew God so loved the world, but wow, that's, that's a lot, And so we'll be dealing with the issue of the calling upon the body of Christ. Uh, Let me be very frank with you. Uh, The enemy has been trying to undermine the work of the gospel uh, right from the beginning, of course. And so uh, in the first century, so many wonderful things happened. Uh, But as we move along, uh, we realize by the time we got to the fourth century... Uh, there developed a lack of calling, and people became ingrown, thinking that the calling of God had to do with their feelings, or their fulfillment, or you know what what floats their boat. And so we want to understand that we're called to reach others, because we are complete in Christ. Amen. We are complete in Christ. If you are a believer in Jesus, you are complete. In, you may not know. You may be a new believer and not understand how complete you are, Uh, but you are complete, so now you are prepared to reach out to others. And what we cover this morning uh, uh, during this time uh, is not for us here. This is the huddle. Out there is the game. We go over the game plan here to live it out there. Because if you're not living it out there, you were not listening to the Holy Spirit here. Because the Holy Spirit is going to feed your soul, guide you, and direct you according to the Word of God, which is the will of God. What is God's will? It's in God's Word. And that's why I love Calvary Chapel. uh, Because they're all about the Word of God. But nonetheless... Uh, just hearing a message that you're not going to live out there means you aren't yielded to the Holy Spirit at all. Because the Holy Spirit won't teach you anything that he doesn't want you to apply and live out. The scriptures were given to be lived, not learned. Jesus said in John chapter 13 verse 17, he said, If you know these things, blessed are you who do them. You get that? If you know these things, blessed are you who do it. The blessing's in the doing, not in the knowing. You got to know before you do. But the blessing from God is in living out the truth. That's when the truth sets you free. Otherwise, it's just more religious words. Well, I'm having a good time. Sorry to ruin your day. Messianic Foundations goes deep uh, on our calling together, understanding how the New Testament uh, helps us fulfill our calling as Jews and Gentiles in Jesus, our Messiah. Okay, Uh, so there you go on that. Uh, In regards to what we'll be doing, uh, we'll be studying the Word of God in depth. Uh, So as we consider that matter, uh, please note what I have on the screens. Uh, stand, if you will, for just a moment. Let's read it together. Uh, let's read it in unison. And then we'll ask God to help us grapple with it, understand what in the world he put that in the Bible for, okay? Let's read it together. Here we go. For I am not ashamed of the good news, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first, and also to the Gentile, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, "The righteous shall live by faith." Our God and Savior, we're thankful for your word, uh, for the truth of it. Our hope uh, is so detailed that we can be people of confidence in this world, a light in the darkness. So even now we yield ourselves to the living word, our Lord Jesus. And we pray that uh, the Holy Spirit would fill us, uh, that we might not just be hearers, but doers, uh, that we therefore make a difference uh, in this world and be a light in this darkness. So guide us together, we pray, as your people, as your children, as your servants. And we'll give you all the praise and all the honor. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Please be seen if you will. I thought I should let you stand a little bit since the last time you'll stand for a while. Um, I'll keep the microphone so as to take me to the airport, I can keep yelling at you. (laughs) And so as we consider this portion of scripture, uh, I have a library that's a library indeed. Uh, And I have shelves and shelves of commentaries on uh, the book of Romans. So I'm very familiar, I I love the book of Romans, taught it twice in my life. Uh, Took me five to seven years each time uh, to grapple with this book. It's actually the foundation of faith, as we'll just note in a moment here. But we consider what it's saying here. Uh, It says, uh, you'll notice what I have uh, blocked out there, for in it, in it. You say, what do you mean in it? And it is the good news. In this good news, he's now saying, this good news is what he's talking about. Now, I translated gospel to good news. In fact, you're going to see a lot in my sermon. Uh, I, most of the time, I'm talking to Jewish people. In the churches we plant, etc. You say, they're, they're for Jews only? No, no, no. God's an equal opportunity savior. He loves everyone. He loves everyone the same. Uh, but we want the Gentile believers to understand their calling to reach the Jewish people. You say they must be pretty peculiar Gentile believers. Did they get the short straw or something? Well, no. It turns out that most Christians don't understand their calling. They live in a very subjective, self centered world where what do I feel like doing is the answer to most of their questions, you know? What do I feel like? What do I want to do? What's going to float my boat? When we find in the book of Romans, he says to uh, Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, uh, says to mostly Gentile believers in Rome that salvation has come to the Gentiles, Romans eleven eleven. to make Israel jealous. You say, what do you mean? You're calling, you're, you are God's not just secret weapon, unfortunately it's too secret, You're his sacred weapon in order to bring about the second coming of the Lord. Because Messiah, the Lord Jesus, uh, I grew up, I didn't know Christ meant Messiah. No no one ever told me. I didn't know Christ meant Messiah. I thought Christian just meant you weren't Jewish. That's all I thought the word meant. So the Jewish community doesn't share the same jargon. You say, well, they should, they should learn. <laughs> no, we're called to reach them. <laughs> if God called you to France, ooh la la. <laughs> if God called you to France and you wanted to be an effective witness, you got it? Yeah, yeah. What language would you have to learn? Okay, pray for that side of the room. <laughs> A little slow on the uptake. I was expecting much more from this side of the room, just saying. You'd have to learn French. You're saying, no, I'm never going to learn French. Well, you'll be ineffective. And so, if God called you to the Jew first, if God called you to, be a, to make Israel jealous, he might think you'd want to be effective in your witness to Jewish people. Just saying. But since the enemy has undermined much of the work of the gospel because he wants to stop the second coming. You say, what? The second coming, Revelation 20, at the second coming, Satan is bound for a thousand years. Right now he prowls as a lion. Everything about his work is one thing to stop the second coming. How's he going to do that? Well, Jesus said that he would not return until Israel nationally repents. Matthew 23, 39. He's trying to keep the Jewish people from repenting as a nation. though The remnant does. So as we consider this matter, in it, in the good news or what he's saying, in that the righteousness of God is revealed. You got that? So we have to understand the gospel, the good news, um, I know Jew, Jewish people don't know what the gospel, word gospel means. They'll know uh, that it means, besorah, uh, good news. It's good news, euangelia in the Greek, good news, good message, great news. And so I'm using good news just to reiterate that point, okay? And so as we consider the matter here, we're going to be taking a deep look now in order to make application for our lives on the calling we have from God on the calling we have from God. Uh, And if you're not focused on that, uh, you may not be focused on God's will for your life. You say, Sam, this is outrageous. How dare you say this? Not me. Blame Paul. This is his idea. I'm just, don't shoot the messenger, okay? Just saying. So as we consider the matter here, it says there from faith to faith, from generation to generation, and that's how it gets passed along. We're always one generation from the gospel being stopped. That's why you have to raise, you're not raising children, you're raising disciples. You're making disciples in your home. You say, well, I was hoping the church would help here. This congregation, as wonderful as it is, can only reinforce what you teach at home. You have to make disciples at home. You have to train up your children in the way they should go. It's on you. And so the congregation can only reinforce those values. Uh, you have to actually train up your kids. And so, from generation to generation, from faith to faith, is how it works. As we uh, consider the matter uh, of what the good news is, it has to do with our salvation. God did everything. Everything for our salvation in Jesus. Everything for our salvation in Jesus. Uh, we're going to look at that in depth, but that's what the good news. That's what the gospel is about. It's misunderstood. People using like in different ways. Every, you know, it's the gospel truth when they want you know tell you that this is the truth. It's the god. Well, the gospel is about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Our focus is on Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Uh, Jesus, the Messiah, uh, Yeshua HaMashiach, we would say, back back home, Uh, but Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah. And so as we consider the matter uh, that this is the only way of salvation, uh, every other way is not God's way. God has not revealed any other way of salvation. You say, but Sam, there's so many other people in the world. There's so many other religions. Yeah, I know. Listen, listen, listen. If we had two or three gods, there might be two or three ways of salvation. But there's only one God. <laughs> there's only one God. So there's only one way of salvation. You say, that seems narrow-minded. Take it up with God. <laughs> what do you want for my life? Uh, I, I, I'm a nice guy, uh, but uh, No. One way of salvation. And so every other way that people talk about is not good news. It's bad news if they believe it. They're believing bad news. Uh, maybe it floats their boat because it makes them feel better about themselves. That's all a lie from the pit of hell. And so all of us are commanded uh, to bring the good news. We're all commanded uh, to proclaim uh, every believer has a calling on life to share the good news. You say, well, I don't have the gift of evangelism. Okay, What's that mean? I I shouldn't be expected to share the gospel. Who tells you these things? What, you're watching commercials on TV to get your information? It's a responsibility, even if it's not a gift. You may not have the gift of teaching, but you have to train up your children in the way they should go. You may not have the gift of faith, but you must believe the truth. And so you have a responsibility even when you don't have a gift. So we're all under the same command to bring the good news uh, to wherever we go, wherever the Lord has us, to the Jew first and also and equally to the Gentiles. And so uh, the good news Uh, was the message Paul was unashamed of. He was unashamed of this message. Uh, And I'll just say uh, that without wanting to be uh, offensive, uh, well, any more offensive than I usually am. (laughs) There are a lot of people that are ashamed of the gospel. A lot of people who are Christians who are ashamed of the gospel and will want to address those matters this morning in what the Word of God tells us here. Uh, but this is something important here. Let me, let me mention to you, uh, when we read verse chapter, Romans 1, 16, 17, that's the theme of the book of Romans. If you want to know what the book of Romans is about, it's got 16 chapters. But this is the theme. Everything is an expansion on the theme. Everything in the book of Romans is an expansion on the theme. This is the theme of the book of Romans. And so he's wanting to tell what the the Romans uh, was a church that did not receive apostolic instruction. But he was responsible for this church, so he wanted to bring them on the same page with the rest of the body of Christ. So they would understand the full counsel, the whole counsel of God, which Paul lays out in the book of Romans. And so you want to get the whole skinny on the matter, you've got to read the book of Romans. Uh, but this is actually the theme of the book here, which we'll be dealing with. And really the book of Romans, because it deals with the whole council of God. You start 118 with condemnation, you go all the way through chapter 8 to glorification. The whole deal is right there from condemnation, justification, everything sanctification, glorification, it's all laid out in the book of Romans so the church there, the congregation there, would be brought on the same page as the rest of the body because we all are yielded and submitted to apostolic teaching. It's the teaching of the apostles. That's the foundation of our faith in that regard. And so you say, well, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, well, understand, because Paul in the book of Romans encapsulates the, the whole word of God, the whole counsel of God. Therefore, the book of Romans gives you insight how to understand the New Testament. It gives you insight in all the matters that the various letters and everything are all speaking to. It covers the whole dealy there. You say, wow, that's so, it's like the so these verses. Are therefore the theme of what the New Testament would be about, and when you think of the New Testament, you have to understand this is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. The New Testament is the fulfillment of all the hopes, all the pro. The whole Bible is about Jesus. If you got somewhere to go, you got the bottom line. You can go now. <laughs> That's the whole deal, either. You say, well, "What? What does that mean?" It means. Your whole life should be about Jesus. The whole Bible's about Jesus. Your whole life should be about Jesus. He must increase. I must. This side's coming up. Now you gotta pray for that side. I, mean, I get worried about people a lot. So you'd be conformed, right? All things work together for good to those who love God, called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son. Your whole life is about Jesus. Everything God's doing in your life to be like Jesus. Uh, And Therefore, going to the Jew first and then to the Gentiles is actually the life of Jesus. And so we want to understand how this is being lived out. And so the whole Bible uh, about Jesus, and though the theme of Romans becomes the theme of the Bible... The righteousness of God revealed. The righteousness of God revealed. Uh, That's what the gospel, the good news, is all about. And so as we consider understanding that, if you misunderstand these two verses, you can misconstrue all kinds of other stuff. You don't get this right. You may get a whole lot of other stuff wrong as well. So you got to get this nailed down so you can then apply it to everything else you want to deal with. So regarding this, uh, you'll notice in your bulletin. There's four points. I changed the fourth one because I love you. We're unashamed of the gospel. Uh, why? Because it's the ability of the good news. The ability, we're going to look at, you know, I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can handle it. God has power for you. Here's the secret. He wasn't expecting you to do much. He expects you to yield to him and that he would be at work in you and through you. That's that's what he was expecting. He does the heavy lifting. It's the availability, not only the ability, but the availability to all believe. It's the priority of the good news to the Jew first. And finally, it's the fidelity God's faithful, the righteousness of God revealed. Let's take a look at it, get right into it, start at the top. Work all the way down. Here's we go. And so we deal with the issue, the first thing, we're unashamed. Why? Because of the ability of the good news. Uh, It says, therefore, it is the power. It is the power. It is the power. It is. Does it say it was the power? Does it say it was or is? It should be is in your life. If it's present tense. It is the power. Was then, is now, always will be. It is the power. And so this is the, the good news reveals the righteous power uh, for salvation. God demonstrates his righteousness by providing the power to save lost people. You say, you don't understand the problems I have. <laughs> I may not, but you don't understand the power God has. So as we consider the matter here, we want to understand it's present tense, present power for your life. When people are ashamed of the gospel, they don't say it that way. They just kind of keep quiet about things, talk about football, uh, mourn over Miami and whatever they're going to do. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> but when they are ashamed of the gospel, they talk about everything else even though their whole life is founded upon the gospel. But they talk about other things that will be more user-friendly and got to be careful of this because God has not given you a spirit of fear but a power, love, and a sound mind. That's why we're unashamed of the good news. God has not given us a spirit of fear. You say, well, I don't know what people will say. That's fear. I don't know if I'll do a good job. That's fear. I don't know how people respond. That's fear. God has not given you a spirit of fear. Where would you get it? Not from God. Go to the Lord and say, Lord, help me here. You know, I'm in bondage to fear. All I think about is how will I be received? Will people accept me? Will people think I dressed okay? Will people think I fit in? Oh, Lord, I'm in fear. Fear, oh, Lord. Oh Lord, deliver me. And so we want to understand that Jesus, the Messiah, uh, Yeshua is his Hebrew name. And so when, back in the day when he was a kid and he wanted to come, you know, can Yeshua come out and play stickball? They didn't say Jesus, that's just what we Americans say. Hebrew name, Yeshua. Jesus, the Messiah, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Same old, same old. The one who was there in the creation process is the one who's here now, and therefore the one we'll worship forever in heaven. He is the same, the same power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power. You say, seems like a lot of power. I know. <laughs> I know. It's like, wow, I didn't realize. It's like, you know, you have a billion dollars do? spiritually speaking. <laughs> you have the riches of glory in Jesus, every blessing in the heavenly places to live large for the Lord here and now. Uh, this is what God has us for. And so we have the power. Can you see the scripture I have up there? First Corinthians uh, chapter two. Do you see the scripture? Can you see it from those sides? Let's read it together here, that your faith By not rest on wisdom wisdom of men, but your faith is not in doctrine. Your faith, you say, but Sam, you're known for having solid doctrine, sound doctrine. My doctrine only articulates my faith. My faith is not in my doctrine. My faith is in Jesus, and sound doctrine will only articulate that that's the fact. But our faith is in Him. The power of God, not in the wisdom of men, not in the counselors of men, the psychologists of men, not in the, uh, all the things, the trending things, all the silly things that people trend with, the power of God. Our faith must rest in that and not rest in anything else as well. And so it's the power of God, the preeminent power, not only the present power, But the preeminent power, you say, well, well, what do you mean? I don't know what kind of problems you got, but I know one who's bigger than your problem. Now listen, there was a guy named David. He was just a kid, and he stood up to Goliath. You say, well, that's because he was young and didn't know any better. You know, kids don't know the problems to get themselves into. (laughs) I'm just guessing, though. No, that wasn't it at all. He saw something the rest of Israel didn't see. He saw someone bigger than the problem. God is greater than your problem. God is greater than your habits. God is greater than your fears. God is greater than your sorrow. You know, Samuel, a great prophet, judge and priest of Israel, he was heartbroken when King Saul was rejected by God. He loved Saul. He had anointed Saul. His heart was so broken. But God has to say to him, how long will you grieve over Saul? When God says how long, it always means too long. We can get trapped in our own disappointments, in our own sense of failure, in our own fears. We don't realize we're trapped or caught up into this. And we evaluate everything based on that. But God wants to deliver you from the domain of darkness and transfer you to the kingdom of his beloved son. God can do that because he has the preeminent power. You say, but I've had this my whole life. I've been dealing with this my whole life. Perfect. You've been dealing with it. Now give it to God. Don't you think? Give him a shot. He can raise the dead. How many people believe that, that God actually raised the dead? Raise your hand. Come on, come on. You're in the right place. Even if you don't know what I meant, just raise your hand so you fit in. I got to fit in. Sorry. But you raised the wrong hand, that I was watching. No. <laughs> if he can raise the dead, do you think any of your issues are too much for God? He is the preeminent power. He creates something out of nothing. He makes a way where there is no way. He saves people like myself. I was not a candidate for salvation. I thought Christians were a bunch of idiots and so I became one. (laughs) Because the truth of the matter broke through my prejudices. I thought my prejudice was wisdom. I thought my cynicism was wisdom. I was wrong. And praise God, he broke through. He delivered me from my own foolishness. And so I don't know what you're trapped in. Bitterness. Resentment, lust, habits, who knows what you got going on. But God is greater. That's the gospel. That's the only gospel. This is what we have to understand that it is the gospel of purpose, for it's for salvation. Everything about your life is salvation. You say, "Hold a second. I don't want to hurt your feelings. You're a nice guy. Jewish and all that, you're probably sensitive sort of people, you know. (laughs) We have the Steelers playing this, you know, this afternoon, and did you hear what New England acquired? I mean, football Sunday, I mean, you got to get your priorities right, Sam. Yeah, I'm talking about God's priorities, which should be your priorities, if you're going to grow in the Lord. What is his priority? It's the power of God for salvation. Yeah. For salvation. He wants to save every relationship you have. Mm-hmm. You say, but man, they're going down the tubes. We both have lawyers. You know, we got this thing going on. It's like a little late for that. Never too late for God. God is able. I know because God has saved me. Praise his name for that. And so we want to understand, let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. Please notice what it says. Let's read it together. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those being saved, the good news is the power of God. This is going to show whether you're ashamed or unashamed. By what? But whether you believe in the power of God, or you're going to say, well, that's kind of idealistic. Yeah, i live in a real world. Yeah, i to live in a world where there's lots of things that have to do with Jesus, you know. Yeah, well, you're the one in the unreal world. I believe in a God who created the world. Yeah. Be careful. Be careful of believing the deceptions of this world and being self-deceived and caught up in your own stuff. Be careful of all that because all of that, when you find it doesn't work the way you want it to work, when you don't feel you got the deal that you wanted to get out of the deal, when you feel that, you know, it hasn't been right, God has you know, didn't do my thing because I had my agenda going this way, I wanted this, I dealt with that, you will find yourself with great bitterness of spirit. The disappointment will, in, will just trap you, and you'll have a root of bitterness to the defiling of many because you didn't get it the way you wanted, and therefore God disappointed you. He let you down. No, no, you were basing your life on something other than what God had for you. You were going the wrong way. You were believing the wrong things. You were the one who needed to be delivered. Your God still cares about you even now. So right now he would want to deliver you from that bondage. You say, but I'm a believer. You can be a believer and trapped in carnality, trapped in a bondage, in a habit, in a bitterness, all kinds of things. And the Holy Spirit prays God can surface these things and give you hope that God can handle it and entrust it to him. And so we deal with the issue, we have to understand the cross, the importance for our life, not only for our salvation, but to live the life. You cannot live the life apart from the cross of Jesus, from the death of Jesus, you know? And so you say, well, what does that mean? When you came to faith in Jesus, you didn't realize, you placed your faith in him because, you know, you needed forgiveness of your sins or whatever it was, right? You didn't realize that you died with him. You say, well, what do you mean? Yeah, The old Sam died with Jesus. When I placed my faith in Jesus, I was crucified with Christ. I no longer live. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Galatians 2.20. I did not know that as a young believer. I didn't understand that. This is beyond me. I'm just so happy I was going to heaven, you know? (laughs) But as I grew in the Lord, I realized he must increase. I must what? Less of Sam, more of him. I had to give over, count as loss, all those little prejudices, those preferences, my way of doing things, how I want to be respected, how I want to be approached, how I—all of that had to count as loss to grow in the law. Had to die to Sam. Had to die. That's why we die daily. First Corinthians fifteen thirty-one. We die daily. I die daily to Sam. I die hourly to Sam. I'm dead. In, I'm dead to all of the Sam. May Jesus be glorifying me. All those things, as I grow in the Lord, I die to. So let's understand real quickly here. In the past, you were saved from sin's penalty. You got that? By initially trusting in Jesus in his death and resurrection. Glory to God. You say, that's as easy as that? Don't you have to come to church? No. Then what am I doing here? Oh, sorry. No, you you get saved on his works, not yours. But I have to pray. No. No. You pray because you have a relationship with God and you're talking to him. (laughs) No. It has to do with relationship. Relationship with God comes by faith in Jesus. Well, he did, not what you do. But you have to get baptized. Not really. Then why am I going to get baptized? To testify of him. No, it's his works, not yours. In the present, saved from sin's power right now, by daily trust in his death and the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is your sanctification. Justified, sanctified, growing more and more. Sanctification just means you're growing in him. More of him, less of me. And finally, glory to God. One day he'll return. I'll be saved from the presence of sin. Hallelujah. Eternal trust in his death. It was enough for me forever. You'll have the scars of my redemption in your body, O Lord, forever that I might always know the love of God for me. You bore the cross in my place. Glory to your name. And therefore, we have our glory. So everything in the death of our Lord Jesus, our justification, our sanctification, our glorification. Salvation is the work that God is doing. Everything about your life has to do with the salvation. Whatever is not about that in your life, you need to look at as something that's not depending on the power of God. You're depending on other things. Preferences, pleasures, whatever thing you may have going on. Hope you got that picture quick enough, just going to say. I got a plane to catch. You gotta take pictures real quick around you. Only unashamed believers employ the unhindered power in our unlimited salvation to fulfill our unequaled calling. Only unashamed believers. And those areas where you're not depending on the power, that's where you're ashamed of the gospel. Where you don't feel it'll measure up, it'll be the help you need. You gotta handle it yourself. I gotta depend on me. Those are the very areas where you're ashamed of what the gospel can do. It can do everything. It's the power of God. And that's what makes a believer an unashamed believer. Amen? Amen. Amen. Second point. We go, we're going to go quickly, but the third point is very long. You said, well, the first point was, was like eternally long. Yeah, I'm good that way. You're welcome. We're unashamed because of the availability of the good news. The scripture says to everyone who believes, to everyone who believes, to everyone who believes, to everyone who believes, to anyone who believes. Praise his name for that. And so the salvation that Jesus brought is enough for all people, every person in the world, every person but it's only applied to those who believe the gospel, to those who believe in Jesus. So it's available to everyone, but it's applied only by those who believe and believe the good news as opposed to believe some strange, weird stuff. You say, well, hold a second. I got friends, and they all believe strange, weird stuff. But well, you have a mission field. You don't have friends. You can be friendly, but they don't share the real truth of your life. Be careful be careful of being unequally yoked together. Be careful of having deep relations with people who don't share the true values of your life because you will be compromised. And so present tense faith is both to be saved and to live by faith. Same faith. Colossians chapter 2, verse 7. Same faith that saved you is the same faith of how we live. Depending on the same Jesus everywhere we eat. say, I thought I needed some special faith. Any old faith, it's Jesus that makes the difference. You say, what do you mean? Well, there's no other way of salvation. There's only one God, only one way of salvation, regardless of what they claim about having faith. You say, well, I don't understand what that means. Faith in everything and everything else is futile and fatal. And so I have a picture up there. You can see the picture. The little boy is telling this rhinoceros who's grappling with this branch to not fall into the pit there, Hanging on, the little boy says to him, well, grab my hand, mister. I I really believe that if you grab my hand, we'll be fine. The rhino says, kid, if I grab your hand, we both go down. I'm not saying that you don't have sincere faith. I'm saying that you can be sincere and wrong. Because it's the object of your faith that saves you. It's the object of your faith. Your faith cannot save you if your faith is not in Jesus. It's the object of your faith that actually grows you, develops you, and helps you. You say, well, I was hoping that, you know, if I read my Bible every day, I'll grow. No. No, be careful of getting into a works mentality about it. Understand the Bible as his love letters to you. Understand it's good news for your soul. It's Jesus. Be careful of shifting your focus to religious things. You say, well, what about my prayer? Of course you should pray every day, every hour, every thought taken captive to his lordship. But be careful of making a works righteousness out of it. It's a relationship with Jesus. You talk to God because he loves you. He's probably the only one who wants to hear from you. The rest of us hope you stop talking. But he loves you. Loves hearing from you. He wants to be there. And listen, for those who are meat eaters, who are growing in the Lord, let me mention this to you. Every thought that is not directed to God based on the Word of God is all going to be corrupting your soul. For it says in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, God was brokenhearted because He said, There, every intention. Of every thought was nothing but wickedness. Not the thought, the intention, the subconscious. Everything in your soul. You have to understand this. That's why we have to be renewed, right? Be not conformed to the world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Taking every thought captive. So you have to be careful of your thought life. You're going to grow in the Lord. This is what we do. We grow his thoughts. I've hid his word in my heart. Psalm 119, verse 11, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. What? Yes, it's the word of God that keeps me from sin, or it's sin that keeps me from the word of God. Understand the issues here. It's the object of your faith has to be Jesus. Jesus, now forever. This is what brings good news to your souls in life. And only unashamed believers in Messiah have this present tense faith. Present tense faith. That's why it says to everyone who believes, not everyone who believed. Not past tense. You got that? You say, well, I believed 25 years ago. Mazel tov. Congratulations. We wouldn't have guessed it. Thanks for telling us. Because it is something we continue to believe in order to enjoy the benefits that we have in Jesus, in whom is every blessing of the heavenly places, Ephesians 1.3. And so you say, what do you mean? Well, if you're lacking confidence in this message, you're going to be lacking faith in the Messiah. That, that's what ends up happening here. As you live by your own agenda, by your own will, by your own desires, uh, therefore by your own bitterness, by your own lust, by your own habits. Relying on Jesus all the time, we represent the Messiah in all places. I want you to think of those places where you don't want to bring him up. Those are the places, those are the places where you're not relying on him. I want you to think of those relationships, those situations. Well, when I'm with that person, my stomach turns. Perfect. That's the place you've got to give it over to Jesus. You have to love your enemies. You are not permitted. You are not permitted to be embittered against anyone. That's not your job. That's your flesh. You have to give that over to the Lord. You have to trust in Jesus in those relationships, in that circumstance. Uh, When you go on vacation, don't leave home without him. Be careful. Vacations and retirement are treacherous. Too much time on their hands. We live for him wherever we go. Uh, the last thought, which is actually the longest. Get the card started, Tim. <laughs> I think I got a few minutes, though, so Some good. To the Jew first and also to the Gentiles. You wouldn't believe how many commentaries I have on the book of Romans and how many of them stop after the last point. To all who believes. And this they just kind of discard. And they don't realize that this is the calling that the Apostle Paul was telling to the believers. That is to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. To the Jew first and also the Gentile. And people say, Well, what does the Jew first mean? We're going to deal with that. We're going to go deep on that one. Because you have to understand the calling. It's to the Jew first, and also equally to the Gentiles. But you have to understand this to appreciate the calling. You can have some false, poorly translated Bibles, maybe you have one right now, that says, uh, to the Jew first, then to the Gentile. As if, you know, we we dealt with that then, now we're on to to the bigger market, you know, Uh, or something weird like that. Let's get into it. Why is it to the Jew first? The righteous good news is to the Jew first. Is, because of the word that's used there, I have the original up there, proton, Uh, When you read through uh, Romans, he uses this quite a bit. It's like a theme of the first three chapters. Uh, In fact, in chapter 3, if you have a King James or a New King James, something like that, that actually does a great job on that word. In chapter 3, verse 2, it says, it translates it chiefly. Uh, To what benefit, what advantage is the Jew? And so Paul says, chiefly, or to first, were given to them the oracles of God but he doesn't go into second. (laughs) And so the word is translated chiefly. This is the big deal here. And so when he says this, the same word is used. Uh, Maybe you know the verse from Matthew I have up there, uh, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. you. Got that? Seek first. You say, well, I did that back in 82. Now I'm on to other things. No, it's always first. <laughs> You're always seeking first. It means primarily, chiefly, this is the goal. It's not like, first I did that, now I can live my life in my flesh. You know? No, that, <laughs> no wonder you got the problems you got. That's why some of the scholars translate it primarily. One translation I like goes into it pretty well. When it says there... Uh, to the Jews especially, and equally to the Gentiles. You say, why, 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 why would it be to the Jews chiefly? Well, that's because, listen carefully, God made no covenants of redemption with anyone but Israel. When you go through Hebrews, some of you going through Hebrews, when you get to chapter 8, I have it up there, Let's read chapter 8, verse 8. Let's read that verse together. Here we go. Ready? Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. He doesn't say with the house of Rome and the house of Athens. Even though those are bigger markets. I mean, this is New Testament. He's quoting from Jeremiah thirty-one, thirty-one, The prophecy. He's quoting this in, in the New Testament. You say, well, what do you mean? The covenant of redemption was made with the Jewish people. That's why it's to the Jew first. If you leave them out of the equation, you end up undermining the very covenant that God made. And so you have to understand what God is saying here. Rather than discounting and dismissing the Jewish people, this testifies to God's faithfulness to Israel. That's why Paul in his ministry always did it that way, though he was the apostle to the Gentiles. He always shared the gospel with Jewish people because he understood that it was to the Jew first because the covenants of God were made. The faithfulness of God is seen. We demonstrate God's faithfulness when we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, even as Paul in Romans chapter 10 taught the congregation there, he said to them in Romans chapter 10, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Brethren... My heart, it's got to be a heart's desire before it's a prayer to God. And this is the problem the enemy has brought. When people think the Jews are of no consequence to me. When actually God called you to demonstrate his faithfulness, his righteousness to the Jew first. Even as Paul not only wrote but ministered in his life. And so for those who understand uh, that we're here for God's purposes, understand the calling of God. Not to the exclusion of Gentiles, certainly. God loves everyone. But we have to make sure we're on our game. So I'm thankful for a congregation that is supportive of Jewish ministry. God bless this congregation. Uh, It may be the growth factor you're looking for. Just saying. (laughs) (laughs) If it's no longer to the Jew first, you'd have to change all the verbs. All the verbs are present tense. Hallelujah, it's the power of God. Amen. Hallelujah, it's to all who believe. Hallelujah, it's present tense believing, right? Well, it's also still to the Jew first. (laughs) You can't, you have to put a different verb in. Paul would have to add a verb saying, it was to the Jew first, and now it's for Gentiles. You can't do that. Paul was in writing from 300 A.D., about something in the historical past. He's talking about the flow he was into right there. And so it's equally to the Gentile. God is an equal opportunity savior. And so we want to understand that God has to be faithful to the nations. The congregations I plant, uh, you know, we, we mentioned before, most Jewish people don't know what the word Christ means. I grew up thinking it was his last name. You know, Mr. and Mrs. Christ want to introduce you to their son, Jesus Christ. (laughs) I didn't know it was the title. I didn't know it meant Messiah. And so the congregations we plant are going to be user-friendly. We we say Messiah, but we want to make sure everyone understands. We don't ever use Hebrew without translating it, etc. Just because we want everyone on the same page. Uh, But the fact of the matter is uh, that the good news... Uh, that God promised through Abraham to the Jew first that it might be a blessing to the nations, as I have up there from the Scriptures, Genesis 22, verse 18, that in your seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And so this has to, he said, will God going to be a blessing to the nations? Listen carefully. It's because he is to the Jew first. Because the covenants of redemption are with Israel, but then graciously sent out to the nations as well. And so this is how to the Jew first is the only hope, not only of Israel, but to the nations. This is actually the calling that we share. Oh, by the way, get back here, you. Let's read Galatians chapter 3, verse 8. Let's read that together. And the scripture foreseeing that the... Preached the good, good news before. Be that was the gospel. Amen. That was the gospel. In seedling form, okay? It flowered into what we understand now. Glory to God. We know Jesus, the seed of Abraham, the seed, the chief seed. But let's understand the calling we have. The hope of the nations is because it's to the Jew first. This is why Paul went out of his way to teach on this so strongly in Romans, that they'd understand this matter. And so to the Jew first refers to the good news Messiah, confirming God's faithfulness to Israel. Confirming God's faithfulness to Israel. Uh, The promises that God made, uh, uh, the God of Israel made, therefore we bring them uh, to Israel, that the God of Israel will be demonstrated as fulfilling his promises. And Jesus, Jesus is the confirmation of God's faithfulness to Israel and nations. Most Jewish people don't know that. They think Jesus is like bad news. All the anti-Semites use Jesus to persecute them. No, he is the good news. Just that the enemy has distorted it, we have to make a difference in that. And so it was the God of Israel that we turned away from. So it must be the God of Israel we turn back to, to the Jew first. Help, understand, help the Jewish people understand uh, this matter uh, for their lives. Uh, notice the scripture we have there from Luke 1, 18 in the New Testament. Let's read that together. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Many of the sons of Israel, back to the Lord their God. So understand the gospel message we bring. Uh, And so because uh, my people, as we mock Jesus uh, as the king of Israel, we must in our repentance turn to him as our true king. It's incumbent upon Jewish people to understand this and for Gentile believers to share it uh, with those around them. Uh, but this is something Paul assumed every Gentile believer would not only understand, but be acting upon. He said, what do you mean? That Jesus is the confirmation of his promises. Jesus is the fulfillment of it all. Let's read from Romans chapter 15, verse 8 and 9. Here we go. For I tell you, Messiah became a servant to the Jewish people to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to him. In order that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore, I'll praise you. Glory to God. And so let's understand, when Jesus came, did he cancel the promises to the fathers? Is that what it says? It doesn't say cancel, does it? It doesn't even say conclude. It says confirm. Confirm. Strengthen them. Understand, we need to show the faithfulness of God and the mercy we've all received to the glory of his name. And so we want to see those promises to the Jewish people. That they can bless all people accordingly. And so the unashamed believers share God's priority to the Jewish, to the Jew first, and to the Gentile. And thereby sure, share Messiah to the Jewish people without the exclusion of Gentile believers. This is something we do in our walk. And so we want to understand the last thought before we get scooped away in the car going wherever. We're unashamed because of the fidelity, the faithfulness of God. For in it, in that good news, in that good news, in that good news, in that good, in that good news, the righteousness of God is revealed. In the good news, that's the power of God and salvation that we demonstrate and we trust God in all our circumstances. The good news that is to all who believe, we demonstrate the righteousness of God. In the good news that's to the Jew first and also to the Gentile, we demonstrate the righteousness of God. You got to do the whole deal. This is the good news. It's an irreducible complexity. You can't go around picking and choosing what you want. In order to cherry pick the kind of promises, the kind of things you want from God's word. I want a new car. And so let me see here. Is there any verses about automobiles? Uh, Look here. Hold a second. It sounds close enough. Talks about his scars. Cars. (laughs) I need a car. Thank you, Lord for the scars and cars of Jesus. So you can go around doing that, but you're kind of avoiding the very point of the Bible and your life. And so it's irreducible complexity. You can't pull out what you want and have the rest as a working thing for yourself. Just make it up as you go along. This had to do with the very thing we read, that in the seed, all the nations be blessed. Well, there were three aspects to that promise. Genesis chapter 12, 1 had to do with the land. Genesis chapter 2 had to do with the Jewish people. And then verse 3 had to do with the blessings for the nations. But they're all part of the same covenant promise. And so you say, well, I'll take the blessings, but forget the Jewish people. Who told you you can do that? No, it's an irreducible complexity. This is the same thing he's dealing with this in this verse. You can't remove any part of verse 16, the power of God, to all who believe, to the Jew first, without diminishing the righteousness of God. God forbid. God forbid. But many of us don't care about his righteousness. We care about our own agendas, our own feelings, our sense of self-worth. And we're missing the whole point. You're created in his image. When you diminish God, you are diminishing yourself. When you glorify God is how you actually are being blessed by God. You're created in his image. Glorify God that you may be exalted by him. Humble yourself to that point. This is what... the. Truth is truth. If no one believes it, lies a lie if everyone believes it. Forget what's trending. And so the good news of Messiah, the righteousness of God, the message of salvation in Jesus must be based as power, must be received by faith, must be to the Jew first and equally to the Gentile. Has to have these components for the righteousness of God to be revealed in our lives, in our faith, in our testimony. Everything else is a religion you're making up, called Christianity. You're making up a Christian religion that deals with my issues, my concerns. Uh, This is what it's all about me. Well, no, it's not. It's all about God. It's really all about Jesus, the Son of God. And so as we conclude here, Jesus is God's faithfulness to Israel and the nations. Can I hear an amen? He is the faithfulness of God. Most Jewish people don't think that. You can make a difference. If you'll pray for them, let it be your heart's desire. If you share with them, pray for opportunity. Get our materials. Let us encourage you in your witness. Living out his righteousness, this is our stewardship. What does God want me to do with my time, my talent, my treasure? What's God want me to do in my relationships? What's God want me to do with my thought life? All of these things is for God. This is my stewardship, living out his righteousness in all ways, and therefore I'm blessed in all ways and have the victory in every area. This is where victory comes up. You say, well, I got, I got my own victories. You know, I'm, gonna, I'm basically going to be in a you know thumb wrestling contest. I'm going to beat that guy this year. I'll have a good year. You know, you're just self-deceived. You might as well over-medicate. You're just out of it. So our faithful stewardship is always going to be, as God laid it out there, this is what we do with our time, our talent, our treasure. And so what do we do? We're unashamed. We're unashamed. We're unashamed of the gospel. We're unashamed in our stewardship of the good news. And so we plant. People say, what do you do, Sam? I plant seeds. That's all I do is I'm a seed planter. Sometimes I water the seeds. Every once in a while, the fruit ripens, and it hits me in the head. You know, and I pray with the person to receive the Lord. But I'm a seed planter. I, that's what we do. We plant seeds, we pray, and we persevere. We never give up by the power of God. Our faith is in Jesus and him alone. And so the good news still to the Jew first. So therefore, it's going to be to still going to be good news to everyone. If it stops being to the Jew first, you're putting a past tense on there, you're undermining the very gospel that we want to proclaim. And those who go to the Jew first are those who are revealing the righteousness of God. This is the way the gospel lays out. This is the way our lives are to be lived. Let's pray that this year, Still some time left. Let's plant seeds. Let's persevere. But let's pray. May each one reach one. In Jesus' name. Let's pray. As we bow our hearts in prayer. You may be here and you may be you know, saying, I, I don't know, I got problems, I got issues, I'm in a dilemma here, I'm under the gun, uh, I'm just living in fear, I'm just living in anxiety, I have all these things happening. Uh, well, God has the power for your life, that's the gospel, that's the good news, to deliver you from that bondage. If you'll trust in who he is and what he has done for you, what he's done for you. Not what you can do for him, or even for yourself. He did enough for you. A finished work for you, if you'll just trust in him. You say, well, what do I have to do? Believe. Trust in what he has done. Believe. Faith is just trusting in what he has done for you. And if this be your issue, right where you are, God wants to make a difference in your life. I want to pray right now. And if you're here and you're saying, yeah, I've had my faith in in my baptism, church membership, or whatever it may have been, some religious thing, or some personal thing. No. Jesus. faith is in him. He is salvation for you. I'm going to close with a prayer. If this prayer reflects the need of your heart, in your heart, God hears your thoughts. He hears your heart. He hears your heart all the time. Just pray with me this simple prayer. Dear God, Forgive me for my selfishness. Forgive me for my bitterness. Forgive me for my fears. Forgive me for my pride. Forgive me for my anger. Forgive me for my disappointment. Cleanse my sins away through the blood of Jesus, your Son. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me and will everyone, everyone else's eyes closed in prayer, right where you are, keep your eyes closed in prayer, I want to pray for you right where you are seated, right where you're sitting, right where you are. If you prayed that prayer to have Jesus to be your Savior, make him the object of faith to place your faith in him, right where you are, just raise your hand once, right where you're seated so I can pray for you. Sure, I see your hand. Anyone else just raise your hand? Yep. Yes, sir. I see your hand, too. Yes, I see your hand. Yes, Absolutely. Anyone else, just raise your hand once, just so I can pray for you. Absolutely. See your hand. Yes, I see your hands as well. Absolutely. Yep, that's the deal. Right where you're seated. Raising your hands won't save you, just indicating, yeah, I just placed my trust in Jesus. That's what makes the deal. Not your prayer, it's simple faith in Jesus. Right where you're seated, right where you are. Amen. Amen. Yep, got it. Father, you see hands, but more importantly, you see our hearts. You know us and you love us. Thank you, Lord. Even now, we pray that the Holy Spirit would confirm to our hearts not only the truth of your word, but the fullness of our salvation, our salvation that delivers us from the penalty on sin, our salvation, faith in Jesus that delivers us from the power of sin day to day, And glory to God, faith in Jesus, who will deliver us from the presence of sin one day. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Even now, confirm that to our hearts that we might leave this holy huddle and live out your truth and love one another and pray for those who despitefully use us and care about people who don't know what it even means, that the name of our God and our Savior would be exalted, lifted up, and magnified. For it's the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise be the name of our God. Glory to His name. May His name be blessed. Praise God.